This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Boom. And welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I have Tamara McGee. You know, now we're going to get this started. We had some technical difficulties. We had some (laughs) phone (laughs) phone calls from Norwegian policemen. Um, But now, now it's us. Now yes. it's us. <laughs> um, we were say, we were saying before we we, we started now um, talking about the, the the verdict. The verdict fell last night, uh, guilty on all three charges. Um, and what I was thinking, what I'm now occupied with, is the continuation of justice. Justice has just begun. Okay, he's been found guilty. Justice will be complete when there's proper sentencing. Do you agree? Exactly. Yeah, I do agree because the thing is, is I think a lot of um, Black Americans around the world are a bit skeptical whether he'll actually get sentenced because historically they haven't gone hand yeah. in hand. Yes. Yeah, a little smack on the wrist, you know, and, and yeah. um, it's also not good enough when we see officers quit. They'll do something horrible and then they'll quit. And all they do then is just go on to another job, exactly. to another po- to another police concerning. job. And that's not good enough. So what I find interesting is that President Biden is very interested in putting some legislation out there that does a few things. He's interested in tracking these police officers who have gotten in trouble, you know, excessive force, uh, accusations of racism and whatnot. You know, they need to be tracked so that they don't just quit and move to another police department on the other side yes. of the state. Uh, he's looking to, uh, to do that. He's also looking to do something about qualified immunity. This crazy, yeah, this crazy notion that, yeah, the police can do wrong because we should just allow them to do wrong because their job is so difficult. And yes, it is a difficult job, I'm here to tell you. But there also comes a certain amount of responsibility with that. You were a police officer, correct? I was a police officer, yeah. Seven yeah, years. Yeah. Chicago, south side of Chicago, suburbs. Okay, so you understand it firsthand what it is that you can still... It's like I said, like I said on the news this morning, I told them that the police has... First of all, it is an honorable job. Let's not forget that. It is, it is an honorable is job. Important but the, job. But the problem is, is that there are too many officers who don't, obviously don't agree what the word honor means (laughs) you know um they are inserting bias they're they are inserting racism and um they're inserting fear into that job that takes all the honor away and all it does is set up more and more black citizens to be hurt how much do you have to think that has to do with the education level of policemen in america i know in denmark it's actually a long education to become a policeman yeah Um, i think that we would weed out some of the people if we had that in America? Well, it's already set up to weed out those undesirable police officers. It's set up, but they they need to enforce what is there. I don't think you need a long education to be a, a, to be a good police officer. Um, we also have to remember that after the police academy, there's also a period of time with a field training officer. Now, here's where that inner culture within the police needs to be fixed. Because if if you're a field training officer and you're training that new, freshly educated uh, police officer, he's just out of the academy, and you're training that officer for any, it, it varies from department to, to department, a month, three months, six months, a year, or 18 months, as long as 18 months, where you're kind of, it's kind of like a probationary period for that officer. In other words, that's a continuing education, right? And if you're a field training officer and if you take your job seriously, if you want to get beyond that, that, that thin blue wall bullshit, because that's what it is, um, if you want to keep the honor in your profession and if you want to hold your fellow officers as well as yourself accountable you will then be part of that weeding out process. What I'm getting at is I know that police, especially field training officers, they see candidates uh, uh, or they see officers that shouldn't be there, but they say nothing. Well, is that because if he's into, as you were saying, the honor? Because I'm thinking about in this case, I don't refuse to say the murderer's name. I don't. Um, But he had an officer that day. 
So he was a field training. Yeah, he was a field training officer. Yes, right. He was training. The youngest guy was he was his first, was the first or second day on the job. Yeah, he was really new, and now he's in trouble because there's a isn't there not a culture where it's you're not supposed to question your right. higher ups. Well, and that's part of the legislation that President Biden and his administration wants to enact. They want to put in legislation that says that police officers have to report one another. Not that it's optional, it's, not that they hope you do, but that you have to. Uh, I mean, we have that rule for teachers. Teachers have to report if there's any wrongdoing, yes. any threat to children. So why don't police officers have to do it? You see? Yeah, it's and and that and that right there could take care of a lot of these problems because this murderer had been doing this for years. It's yes. not his first case. It's just the most bold. And the fact to me that he was able to look into those cameras. And look them directly and look directly at them. Like I'm doing this anyway. Yeah. Says he didn't think he would get in trouble. He really did not think anything that, would happen, and that is a problem. We cannot have police officers thinking they can do whatever they want to, but they should have respect. Police officers should have respect. They should. Their job is hard. It's not an easy job. It's not an easy job, and um, but, I know I know here in in Norway, and I'm sure it's the same in Denmark. I, I'm sure it's the same in Europe, everywhere, where they uh, and you kind of touched on this. They they make an issue of the educational process of police in in America, and of, of course it can be, be better. Of course it can be better, but I don't think the educational system in police in the states is the problem. I think it it's goes deeper. I think it goes deeper than that. I think it's that inner culture. We can do no wrong. We are going to protect each other. I won't tell on you if I think you did anything wrong. I won't even say anything if I think you did something wrong. That's the that's a prevalent culture in the police in the United States. There was just a story that came out about a police officer who'd been um, raping children. Yes. Did you read this? Yeah. Was it for 20 years? Was yeah. it? Was it like a couple of decades? Imagine that. And it's you the can't, same thing. You can't tell me that nobody reported him and you can't tell me that nobody didn't. People knew. Somebody tried to report him. They had that on record. Somebody tried to report him. Yeah. Somebody it's, tried to report him and nothing happened. And that concerns me. And, and, and it's a shame because... We're talking about our fellow citizens. We're talking about the well-being of our country. And, you know, you got you have people on the right who would say that you and I are, are being ridiculous in our yeah. accusations and in our statements about the state of, of policing in America. I look at it like this. If you call yourself a patriot, do you not want the least in our country to be as strong as possible? Don't you exactly. want the most disadvantaged to be as strong as possible? Because that will just strengthen a country as a whole. That goes against pulling yourself up by the bootstrap mentality. It's, it's, a, it's, a, little, it's a little dilemma that they find themselves yeah. in. They get trapped by their own rhetoric. Yeah, exactly. Because let's face it, as Americans, we're taught that we're supposed to pull ourselves up. It's very part of our psyche. And after moving to, and I admit it's a big part of me too, because that's how I grew up. Sure. My mom's sure. West Indian and my dad's Amer was a black American. I mean, we're, we're blacks from two different countries that we knew we had to do well to get ahead. And so that's a part of me too. But since coming to the Nordic countries, I'm seeing the value of making sure that everybody in your society yes. has a footing and that is the base of what you're i think that's what you're talking about here having the people have something to start up from yes no matter what the circumstances yeah because you go to some of these you, you go to minneapolis um what were they saying minnesota is one of the best states to live in but at the same time the disparity the difference between in other words minnesota is a great state to live in if you're white but it's a horrible yeah, one of the worst states to live in if you're, if you're black Mm -hmm. As, and specifically black. Um, exactly. My sister actually did a short stint there for her. She was a travel nurse when she was in, she lives here in Denmark too now. But um, she actually said she noticed it there and noticed more than uh, she did. We grew up in the South. Okay. Where, where are you from? I'm from Tennessee. Tennessee. What city? Small town called Lawrenceburg. Where, where, what area? Right, uh, right above the border of Alabama. Okay. It's right, right beside Pulaski, Tennessee, where the yeah. KKK started. Yes. We had um, the... The Trail of Tears goes through part of our town. Davy Crockett was born there. That's we have right. Amish. Yeah, we literally have Amish. We have truck. Uh, we have um, uh, buggy 
lanes on our streets. I've got people in uh, northeastern Tennessee. Okay, so Kingsport, about Kingsport oh, Johnson yeah, Kingsport, City, yeah. Church Hill. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right up there by Virginia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Up yeah. in the hills. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah, beautiful absolutely. Beautiful. Absolutely. So, no, you, yeah, were, so, you were saying, though, um, and I agree with you, uh, coming to Norway, it kind of opened my eyes to, you know, and I, I, I still love my country. Uh, yeah, of course you My do. country is our very country. flawed. My country is very flawed. As you know, our country is extremely flawed. But, okay, we yes, still it love it. However, I see the value in criticizing and demanding more of America now that I see it from a distance since I've been living for 19 years here in Norway. And that's, isn't that the way you're supposed to be? If you really love your country, don't you want it to get better? Exactly. And I really, um, I think it's really hard for me as not only a black American, but American general, that so many people like, you don't live here anymore. Oh, I don't I'm like so that. I'm so tired of that. I, you don't live there anymore. So why does it matter? I don't get well, that a I lot, have, I, but from time to time I do. And I, I just, I don't like that. I'm still an American. I don't. Yeah, and because we I still, still vote. file our taxes, yes. and we still vote. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, we we have a right to still better our country. Just because we left doesn't mean we abandoned it. Yeah, and I wonder sometimes if that narrow worldview is what affects all of this. Affects we think that we're the best people in the world. We think that we have the best system because it's always been that way. So we don't want to question our institutions because it's America. Well, I think so those, those who leave. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. So those of us who leave have broken out of that yeah. system. So many people have a hard time seeing that we're us is still fully American, which I find a problem with. And that, well, I that's American short sightedness. A lot of people can't even grasp the concept of 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 us living in a country outside. I mean, that's exactly what yeah. it is. They can't grasp the concept. How can you be American if you don't live here? They just don't get it. Because your your nationality is a part of you. It's what you're born yeah. of. It's what you're raised in. It's what you're taught. It's not yeah. moving away doesn't change that. I mean, I didn't grow up in the Bahamas, but I consider myself Bahamian American. My big part of who I am is from the Bahamian side of my family. Yeah, yeah. We're closer to my mom's family, so I mean, I didn't grow up there. It doesn't make me less Bahamian. Maybe exactly. Well, Maybe not as much my cousins, but I still it's still there. It's still there. It's still, it's part still of a part who of who I am. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I think that Americans that are afraid or, or Americans that lash out uh, whenever they whenever someone criticizes America, I think those people are actually afraid. I think that their faith in America is actually on shaky ground and they know it. So they lash out. I've never thought of it like that. Something that's very interesting. I've never thought about it like that. I've thought about that's, it more as um, a strong nationalism. That's yeah, yeah, but nationalism, I, I, I think that nationalism can get to a point to where it's actually more fear, more insecurity than it is pride in your nation. And I think a Which lot of people get there. Through, through with the immigration things, you can see that immigration. That's not only an American problem. We see it here in Northern Europe, too. Yeah. Keep the immigrants out. Yeah. I mean. Denmark has some issues with that. Uh, let's. <sighs> Denmark has some serious issues with that. Tell, tell me um, about it. Tell me about it. How, how long have you been there? Uh, 13 and a half years. Okay. Wait, let me check. <laughs> Wait a second. 2008, September 2008. Okay. So about uh, 13 and yeah. a half years. Yeah. And so you're, and you're doing well. You're in business for yourself. You have a family. Yes. Um, yes. I love my kids. But I can. I stepson and daughter. Yeah. Well, stepson too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I can imagine that it hasn't been a smooth path. It hasn't been a well-lit walk in the not, park. Not I can at imagine. All. I, not Tell at me all. about it. And I, I, um, Denmark is a great place to live. It is safe for kids, which I value. I don't have to worry. I don't worry as much about my daughter no. disappearing at her daycare. If she, I, I mean, it happens <laughs> sometimes, but I'm not as worried about it as I would be in America. If my kids go run outside, I'm not, I don't, I, if I hear them, I'm fine. I don't have to keep my eyes on them. Um, but one thing that um, people have said horrible things to me, and I think because of this distance we talked about earlier about how they have this distance from their their past with racism here yeah. in the Nordic countries, Danes have a hard time understanding that 
things still go over. I've been called a little, once I was saying, you little bitch, you go back where you came from. Where are you coming to my land taking from my system? I was reading a book. <laughs> when I answered him in Danish, I'm like, why are you talking? This is from the train station. I'm like, why are you talking to me? Seriously? Yeah. It is like seven o'clock in the morning. I'm reading a book. Leave me alone. So I answered him in Danish. He's like, oh, that wasn't personal because they thought I it wasn't was personal. Right? Oh, deeper ek person lead. Deeper ek person lead. A little bit. And so like things <laughs> like this. And I think um, because it doesn't happen to the Danish and ethnic Danes, they don't un understand how prevalent it is. What I've noticed here is a lot of the foreigners will say to the Danes what they want us to hear, what they want to hear. But when we get together, the stories come out. Yeah. And I think that is something I've stopped doing because how is the Danish society ever going to recognize the problem they have if they won't talk about it? And the Vienta law says, law Vienta, yep. it says that you don't want to make people too uncomfortable. And I think that's a big part of why they won't talk about it. But when when i have a cousin who's who's from the bahamas whose daughter is here she's actually started an uh, organization for black girls and mixed girls who've grown up in denmark because okay. their experiences are so and people aren't listening and if these kids are told they're not fully danish because of the color of their skin they have one parent is danish how are they they grew up here how are they not and that's how are they not danish i think denmark needs to reevaluate what a dane is a dane is not an ethnic dane anymore my daughter is danish she has american roots she's danish this is where she's going to grow up so is she less danish even though she's light she's very light-skinned but once they see me do they can they do they consider her less danish because her mother yeah isn't and that is a concern we have Denmark has to get past this. This is a Dane here. This is a Dane here. I, you're white. You're Danish. It's the same issue in Norway. The same issue. I imagine. Yep. Yeah. We have two kids here. Uh, both of them born here in Norway, and uh, they are as Norwegian as they are American. But there's people who have an issue with that. I I, I don't know. Norway and 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 Denmark. I'm sure they they there's some work that needs to be done when it comes to awareness there's some introspection on a national level that needs to happen. They need to look, they need to look at their role. They need exactly. to look at their history and what has, what part have they played in this modern issue with, 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 exactly. with racism and whatnot? What role have they played? Exactly. Cause sociologically speaking, this not happened in a vacuum. And if you don't deal with it, it's still the residuals will be there for generations. Well, that's the thing. I get a lot of people and I know it's going to happen. I, like I said, I was on the, the radio and TV this morning talking about the, the the trial and the verdict. And I know I'm going to get people on social media, Norwegians, who are going to be, you know, figuratively rolling their eyes, saying, oh, my gosh, here he is again talking about this. Well, yeah, here I am again talking about this. It needs to be said. Exactly. And I don't think, and, and I, we, we should be able to talk about it. I mean, it's not, even, it's not an accusatory tone. No. It's just a discussion. But Why fear the discussion? Exactly. And along those lines, why be offended when we tell you that this is in fact offensive? Yeah. Something's offensive. Yeah. I mean, that's along the same lines. We can have this conversation. We can tell you that something you didn't realize was offensive is actually offensive and learn. Yeah. yeah. We can learn. We never know everything. We have to be open to learning. Our societies have to be open. There is a um, summer park here called Juris Summerland. Um, when I first met Brian, I they went there and my sister-in-law asked me if there was this thing was racist. It was a Sambo caricature. Yes. Yeah. So many people don't get, they say, well, we didn't have slaves here, but, but. your history <laughs> is the same, uh, the development history is the same as it was in America and yeah. England and everywhere else. It's the same history. So the race roots are very racist. Yes. Let's talk about the word Nia Malat. Yes. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Let me know mine. Okay. <laughs> they, the, for those listening, they mean exactly what you think it means. Yeah. It means yeah. exactly what they think it means. Same and meaning I, in Norwegian as it is in Danish. And, and, and Swedish. In English, and Swedish. And English. Yeah. And German does it too. Yeah. And the Dutch have the same words too. And in Denmark, um, I have a mixed daughter like you have mixed children. I told my husband's family, 
they're not allowed to call him a lot. I told my hus- my sister's husband's family, they're not allowed to call him a lot. They're like, well, that's our word for it. I said, but look at the history of the word. Yeah. It's basically saying you're a work animal. Yes. Why would I tell my child a work animal? Yeah. And yeah, I don't see any, the word. I don't see any, as I, I, I told my mother-in-law this, I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh, you shouldn't speak ill of the dead. She's passed, but I'm not speaking ill of her. I'm just giving an anecdote here. Uh, but I had to tell her, I've never seen a mule with only two legs. So don't use that yeah. word for my children. I had to tell her that at one point. Yeah. And you have to do that as parents of mixed children in this part of the world, we have to be vocal about it because if not, they're going to keep, they're not going to, they're, when they have real problems, why would they come to us if we didn't protect them then? Yeah. If they, when they realize what it is, why would our children tell us their struggles? Because there are going to be different, there are struggles here. They're different than in America. Our kids are going to come home at night. Our, the police are not going to kneel on their necks and we don't have to worry about that here. Yeah. But, but, but they can still affect how they think about themselves and who they are. My child is not a strong work animal. No, it's not. Don't call my child that. And just because it's always been the word doesn't mean it's not offensive. You know, now do better. How do they pronounce it in Denmark? Mulat. Yeah. Same here. Mulat. Yeah. 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 Mulat. And so that's, yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I don't take it. I, and it's not because I'm trying to be rude. It's because it is an offensive word and it's time for, and look, there comes a time. Yeah. I was going to say there comes a time where you just got to put your foot down and say, Hey, enough, enough. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and even the word Nia, I'm sorry. It's the same word as the N word in English. It's the same roots. I think what's happening in Denmark and in other Nordic countries is that those roots are not being looked at because it's always so far away. But in 1917, exactly. Cause in 1917, Denmark still had colonies. Thank you. They sold that wasn't that long ago. Sociologically speaking, that's what two, three generations. That's yeah. not enough to change. My grandmother was over a hundred years old when she started to die. There are some yeah. people alive yeah. that that were babies when that happened. Yeah. So that's not so far removed as we think it is. Right. right. 1917. It was yeah. at the end of World War One. I. I mean, that's not that it's far not that, away. It's not that long ago, actually. No. And we have to keep that take that into consideration as well. The fact that in Denmark, people over the age of 45 can remember the first time they saw somebody who wasn't white yeah. is something that affects your society. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell, tell me how, how has Danish racism or Danish insensitivity to race? How has that affected you? I, I honestly, I, Brian and I talk about this a lot because it's something that's really in America. We talk about it. I mean, you can say, okay, you know what? You're racist. Mm. Keep going. They might argue with you, but you're, they, but they haven't some reason behind it. But here, here in Denmark, it's more subtle. It is, and yeah. the fact that people will not admit it has actually made me it, for many years. It closed me in more than I am I'm coming back out because I'm really tired of it, but um, <laughs> I wouldn't talk about it. I got so, yeah that I wouldn't talk about it. It has made, uh, what it has done is made me aware that I have to speak out no matter what, like I would in the States, no matter where I am. It's made me realize that, that it is my job to make it better for the next generation in a way I didn't, I was doing, but in a different way, because no matter where in the world my child is, she's going to have somebody somewhere is going to say, Hey, maybe you're not good enough. Racism in Denmark for me is something that, Societies as good as Denmark, if they address it, they will bring, do so much, so much good for the society. I mean, how many people in, I'm not sure about Norway, but in Denmark, you're called a second generation foreigner. Yeah, same here. And that language, the language is saying you don't look like us, so you're not really a part of us. It's extremely exclusionary. And and I have to wonder how, what does that do to the motivation? You know, you and I, you know, we're going to get ours. We're going to have our job. We're going to have our social life and all that stuff. But there are people who've come to Norway and to Denmark who are somewhat broken by their, you know, we're talking about refugees who may have come from a war zone. And when they get met with that type of terminology and that type of attitude, it can break a person 
to where they lose all motivation to assimilate or to adjust or to, to, to succeed in a, in a new country. Exactly. Don't they see that? Can't they see that? And, that, and I say this to Danes. I'm like, in America, you're a first generation, second generation American. Our language, language, how you say things matters. And I've got important. to be honest. It's, it's what it is. It matters. What we, how we address this matters. And I've got to be honest. I actually stopped trying for a long time in Denmark to even try to get close to Danes because oh. it was so hard. When people come up to you and assume you're for, or you're poor, when people come up to you and just start switching over and just say, and then when they say these little things like, oh, at least you weren't born, or don't live in a hut, ha, ha, ha. And it's like, whoa, I have Why to explain, you- I have to explain to people and, and some of these Norwegians don't get it. You know, I took a step down, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, job wise, income uh, social status, you know, all it was a step down for me to come to Norway. So you better check yourself with your exceptionalism. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, it's like I am highly educated. I'm sorry, I'm highly educated. Say it. I Say was it. working. I tell them. I tell. Them I was working in a university. I was actually helping um, um, a program in the state of California. I was helping them to teach adults and children to read. I was. They were, had asked me to be in charge of the GED program for um, adults when I left. I mean, I was moving. Mm-hmm. And then I come here, I had to go back, I had to learn the language. And yes, I have an accent when I speak the language because my business is in English, but at least I can speak it. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to have an accent. And that's another thing. If you have an accent, it doesn't mean you don't speak the language. It means you have an accent. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the the saying goes, if you're talking with someone who speaks your language with an accent, they have accomplished more than you have if you're only speaking your language. Exactly. Because it's because it's not, especially as an adult, it's hard. Yeah. I I mean, my daughter is bilingual, fully bilingual, but I've spoken to her with English since from day one. Yeah, me too. I speak uh, only English with my babies, yep. and they I I demand that they answer me in English. If they Same speak thing, Norwegian, yeah. I ignore them. But then they speak I, I, Norwegian I, with 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 my wife with with their mother. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I, and with Tori, I will say I will say because she's so little, and I was like, well, mommy speaks English. Actually, she knows what English is now. Uh-huh. If, for example, the other day she bought a book to me, and it was a Danish book. I'm like, mommy doesn't read Danish to you, and so she went and found an English book. Yeah, there you go. Because she's child's three, but she started to read, so she can tell the difference. Yeah. So, my child. No, it's just it's just been that way from day one uh, for me too. You know, I'm very preoccupied with with ensuring that my kids know about their Americanness, know about their 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 history as Black Americans. And that's what I was to say. That a challenge for me here is giving them the American Black. Not, identity because black american that's a culture it's a culture it's a subculture yeah i mean and it's not easy to do that because i feel frustrated let me ask you this how old did you say your your uh your child okay so your child's not in school She's She's, okay yeah well my kids are uh 15 and and 13 so they may come home from school and i ask them well how is school going uh yeah well we're, we're talking about slavery in the united states and then they tell me something that they learned, whether it's from the book or from the teacher's own mouth. And I'm like, okay, sit down now. Let's, let's, we're going to extend, we're going to extend the school hour because it's, that's just a, that's a moment of frustration for me. I, I can see the challenge in making sure that my kids know and understand their history because it's, it's either watered down or very wrong what they're learning yes. in the school system here. Sorry, I have a lot of friends who are teachers here. I, I apologize if anybody's feelings are hurt, but I'm just talking true right now. And that's and the thing is, is I had my dad. My dad died last May. Um, this has been a very long year. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. On May first, he died. And um, one thing my dad did, he made sure we knew the history. The history books did not teach us. So right now, the world, um, white America, Europe, they're being shocked about all these things in this history that's coming up that they're being lear- beginning to learn. They're saying things like, oh, I didn't realize that happened. That's because a conqueror writes history. Yes. You had, you're responsible for finding out 
if what you've been taught or teaching is correct. The, we live in the information age. There is absolutely no reason for anybody not to have the information they want if they want to have it. I cannot accept that people are ignorant because they didn't know. I can accept that you didn't know where to look and I'll put you on the right path. But I'm not going to say that you have no chance to learn. You have the internet, you have Google, you have libraries, you have information, find it. Well, that's when I hear a lot of Norwegians will say, well, come on, John, give us, give us time. Uh, It's been, it's been, it's been less than a generation since we first had our first immigrants here. And I'm like, okay, a, a generation, how many years is that? How many decades is that? How much time do you need to learn how to act right? Because that's basically all it is. Just don't be an asshole. Treat people with respect. The way you would want to be treated if you went to their country. And you don't need several generations to learn that. No, it's called empathy. It's called empathy, yeah. And one thing that really bothers me is I hear people say when it comes to foreigners, I don't know about Norway, but here it's really sort of hard sometimes for foreigners to find friends with locals. Yeah. They have their friends from the time of their childhood, yeah. and they don't like we in a home in America. They're like, "Oh, you just came here, come to our house for dinner yeah. tomorrow." It's not like you that. Uh, not like that here. <laughs> oh, no. like oh, your kids need to find a friend. Let my ch- send my child over to play with them. That's what we do. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't actually. Up north, um, my wife is Samisk, so we have mm-hmm. uh, we have a property, a house, and everything up north. Up there, it's different. Those people are extremely welcoming, very curious, nice. generally warm-hearted people. So there's a little bit of a different reception up there that I experienced anyway. Whereas down south, so. they're a little bit more, they kind of hold back a little bit. They kind of watch you yeah. side-eyed from, from a distance for a while before you can get in. And again, you know, I'm a social person. <laughs> and and well, I'll say this: I can be a social person because I also do just fine being isolated. But, and but that's what I'm, I'm feeling. Same. Yeah, I'm a little both, little, little both, little introvert, extrovert at the same time. But but uh, uh, the the thing is, is you know, I'm going to have my my social, you know, I'm going to have my little social thing going on. But again, I, when I when I think of other refugees who may be coming from some sort of trauma in their homeland, again, when they are met like that, what does that do to the whole process of integration, the whole process of adjustment, the whole process where one transforms from being a dependent refugee to being a contributing member of society? When they're met with that Scandinavian coldness, there's some people who can never get beyond that. It took me years. It took me years and I'll be real. It took me a really long time. And my first set of in-laws probably had something to do with that. My father-in-law was not a very, he could have been nicer. Let's just say it that way. (laughs) On my mother and my first mother-in-law, she was really nice. Now, Brian's parents are very, they're amazing people. They have accepted me fully. After my first set, they accepted me fully. They have even, and one thing I will give them, they I am the first black person in their family and they have gone out of their way to learn. Okay. Last time I was there, um, I've told them from the beginning not to call M- M- Victoria Malat. Last time, oh no, two times ago, we go, because they, um, they help us take care of school. When I'm at the university teaching, they help take care of Victoria. And they asked me about the history of the word Malat, why I don't like it used, and they listened. And they gave their input and then they talked to me and Brian about it. And the fact that they were doing this, they try and that's who they are. Yes. And that may, I think that makes a difference. If you that have that support difference. system coming in. That makes a big difference. Yeah. That support system. Yeah. As you were saying, now these refugees, they don't really have that. I mean, no. once you get that from me, once I got that, things started getting better. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't say that it's it's a horrible experience here in Norway. I'm doing fine and I and I do enjoy it. But I also see the problems that need to be addressed. I see the the I see the prevalence of racism growing over the last nineteen yes. years that I've been here. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. No, it is. So I've become a lot more vocal. You know, my podcast isn't just about, you know, this topic. 
but I do use my podcast when, when I, you know, when the spirit moves me, I'm going to talk about these things. It's uh, important. It's, it's very important. It's very important. And, and people need to listen. If people would just drop the defenses, don't be so defensive. It's not an yep. attack on you. We're just, you know, we're trying to gain an ally. That's what I, that's allies. my thing. I'm looking for allies. So I'm not coming in an accusatory fashion. I'm not pointing my finger. I'm standing there trying to find allies. That's what I'm doing. And at the same time, we have to call out part of that art is to call out what we see there. Because if you've never been exposed to the idea that racism, what racism is, it's not what you see on TV. The microaggressions are racism. When you say, okay, I can't understand your accent, so I'm not going to invite him to my home. Right. That's racism. Yeah. You know, oh, it's too hard for us. They're in Denmark. They should speak Danish. Well, if you don't speak Danish to them, how are they going to ever learn Danish people? Yeah. If you went to China, wouldn't you want somebody to bring your or to 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 bring you to their home? Right. Right. If you that's why I tell people, I'm like, if you were in China by yourself, not knowing anybody, wouldn't you want somebody to take you in? to talk to you that brings back uh, that brings back uh, uh, some good memories that i had um i served uh four years in the united states marines most of my time i was on okinawa japan <laughs> and you want to talk about being brought in do you want to talk about being welcomed um there was another marine who had actually been there for like f- five six years mm-hmm. who introduced me to a lot of okinawans there and these people literally opened their home to me. I could come to their homes unannounced at any time. And that's Beautiful. that's something, you know, and I haven't thought about that in a while, but, I, but I, I do think of it from time to time. That is a perfect example of what a so-called foreigner would want if they want to feel as relaxed as possible in your country. That welcome. openness, that friendliness, that obvious sign of Hey, you know, hey, I see you. Hey, come learn about me and let me learn about you. Yes. That's what I experienced down there. And I keep that in mind. And that's kind of a kind of a reference point. I don't think about it all the time, but but the, the memory is there. I just thought of that when you a, mentioned that. Well, and that's the whole thing. I lived in the Marshall Islands. Um, oh, wow. The, um, for um, two years. Um, so, you know, Ebi, the military, we have a military base out there. That's right. In yeah. Ebi. I lived in Masho. Wow. And, um, and they opened their homestuds. I loved there two years. It took me years to get over not living there because I felt in love. <laughs> On the other hand, when I got to Denmark, because it's so hard to integrate, to find people that would talk to me. I mean, I wanted Danish friends. I have one after all these years. I can really call a friend. Are you I, can, I, can know, I have acquaintances. I have acquaintances oh. and I'm really friendly. I'm really friendly. I'm like, I will talk to you when I see you in sure. the store, friendly. Sure. <laughs> but a lot of the Danes found that crazy. They're like, why are you talking to me? Or, you know, they wouldn't really. And so I, I just uh, started hanging out with other foreigners. I'm like, you know what? I need socialization and you guys are providing it. So I have one person, the family, her, our, our kids are in the same class at school. Um, she's traveled around the world. Her father's a diplomat. She's traveled around the world and our families are really good friends. They are Danish friends and I'm glad for them. Your, your whole, your work is home-based, right? You have a home yeah. office. Yeah. And I also that, travel. Do you think that that might have something to do with the lack this is of Danish? Okay. This okay. is recent. I, um, okay. I didn't always do this. I've, I've, I've worked more from home the last two years than I ever have. Okay. Okay. Because last the, year and a half, two years. Okay, yeah. Because the work environment will lead to to it can yeah. lead to friendships often. Yeah, and I was out on for up to twelve hours a day for a while there. I used to have an office in town, and um, so I hadn't. This is a recent where I've been home more. Okay, it's better for me too. Um, at this point, why I, is it better? Let me ask you, why is it better? Because of the flexibility. I like the flexibility of being able to, if my kids need me to go get them, I like the flexibility to be able to talk to my um, clients from whenever I need to, no matter where in the world they are. I like the flexibility of being able to drop everything and call my mom without a problem. It is nice. I like, yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I also like that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. I also like that um, I can build something. I'm building something so that. I can get passed on to my kids and yes. that's so I can do that better. And that's my focus right now. Yeah. 
Um, you were asking what made me um, start my own company? Yeah, yeah. What was your motivation? Okay. Well, um, I was dabbling in different companies in the States. I've always had this. I, and um, when I came to Denmark, my social worker tried to get, um, tried to put me in a CNA course. I have a master's degree in English. And I'm like, and I told her I wasn't going to do it. I mean, they tried, I worked in a hotel for a while. Wasn't a fan of that. And so I was told her I wasn't going to do it. I was going to start my own company. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. That's what happened. Simple as that. I'm like, no. Simple as like, that. I, because she cause she says, but you have an English degree. But the thing is, I'm a now I'm an academic um, English specialist. I specialize only in academic English. That's all I do now. Yeah. I was in Greenland last year when the um, COVID hit Denmark. I was in Greenland teaching at the university there. I teach in um, several universities here, wow, and I'm that's expanding cool. into Norway and Sweden. So I love it. So you you're gonna come you're gonna come to Norway eventually and do this? Yes, I'm. I actually have connections you right now. You gotta look me up. I have, I'm having, I have connections that I'm in being introduced to right now. And so for me, um, I got to use my degree, build something I love, but at the same time, nobody got to dictate how I was going to live my life. And that is something I think happens a lot when you come here. Um, these, you have to work on this, this, and this job. Yeah. Although Denmark is, according to the London School of Economics, three or four years ago, they said Denmark was the second best place, second or third best place in the world to start a business. Yeah. Why don't you? Why isn't that encouraged more for for foreigners? Because it's really hard as a foreigner to find your own job here. Um, they want people who speak fluent Danish without an accent. They want people who have this many degrees from this many Danish institutions. And the people who come here, a lot of them have so much yeah. to give yeah and they're cleaning hotels and yeah. they're yeah. and they're uh, bus boys now and stuff and that is a waste of talent it Use is that it is it's a lot of unused um well it's a lot of it's, it's a lot of unused contributions to the country yeah and which we used to build the country to build to bring in taxes to bring in you know, we need the taxes. I I don't mind paying taxes up here. Let me be real. Oh, that's a, that's I go round and round and round with my American friends on that. You know, uh, first of all, we don't pay that much more taxes than they do in and the you states. Do California, exactly. Sorry. I lived in California for ten years before. And, and and the benefits that we get from paying those ta taxes worth are it. more than worth it. Mm -hmm. I still can't. I I, st I still can't believe that when our daughter was born. Um, I got, I got eight, nine months off from my job. The job yeah. was still waiting there when I was done and I got 85% of my pay. Exactly. We have the same system here. Um, the mothers get more, but they're trying to do it more because I have my own business. Breon took it. He was there home for like 10 or 11 months. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it was great. We're all, I mean. And shouldn't it and just be that way? Shouldn't it? And, and yes. again, this goes back to my thing that if you know, as a nation, well, let, let's break it down to the household level. Okay. Let's say that you're a husband, wife, and two kids. Don't you want the weakest, the most vulnerable in that household to be as strong and secure as possible? Don't you want the best exactly. for the children? Because that will just secure the, 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 the their, their future, but also yours. Mm -hmm. Because as we age, unfortunately, we end up being in a position where our kids actually play a hand in our in our care so we want our kids to be or i want my kids to be as tough as smart as capable as possible because it's going to help them and in the end it's also going to help me so and that comes to nurturing exactly so then if we expand that to a national level why can't we have the same thought process why can't mm -hmm. we want the weakest and the least secure of, a, of us to have a better situation because it's only going to help the, the nation as a whole. I don't understand I, why not. And I agree with that because yeah. American, the birth rate is dropping. I mean, it's not the highest in Northern Europe, but it's for completely different reasons. Mm -hmm. The reason why people in America are not having children is because it's so expensive. Yeah. I mean, and you don't get time off. I mean, no mother wants to give birth and work four weeks later. I'm sorry. No. I, I can't, I can't explain to my American friends how, I mean, it wasn't even a thought when when my wife w was pregnant with both of our kids, there was no thought of finance. We didn't have to pay for her to go to the hospital and have our kids. Right. The, the, I stayed I, for four I, days, didn't get a bill. Yeah. And, and, and 
Shouldn't it be that way? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? It is. And that's yeah. and that actually, and when people have that security, that takes. I mean, uh, if you go to the hospital in the states, even with insurance, you can come up with tens of thousands of dollars of debt. Yeah, that you'll probably never pay off in the course of your life. No, never. And that's and that's something we need to consider. We need to consider how. Yeah, you pay more taxes. But what is the benefit of them? Americans are so focused on that taxing. It has to have to do that Boston Tea Party. Yeah, you and I will never go bankrupt because of medical bills. No. You and I will never die because we can't get the medicine that we have to have. Exactly. I don't know about um, in Norway, but here, they have the system that the more medicine you buy over the year, the cheaper it gets over a 12-month period. We have this thing where... And I'm not sure what the cutoff, let's say 500 kroners, I don't know, which is about, let's say $50. Uh, I'm sorry, 500? No, that's not right. I want to say it's around 2,000. I want to say it's around 2,500. So that'd be about $500, yeah. $500, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that uh, once you have paid that for the year, after that, everything is free. I I think ours is a little higher, but yeah, it's not that high. Yeah. And even even then, the price is already lower. Yeah. The first time I took um, Victoria to see my parents, um, Raph, she was born, she was five months old, and she got an ear infection on the plane. So we took her to to um, the, our family doctor, and he gave her some medication. Mm-hmm. One medication, 400 and I think it was three or six dollars. One medication for a five-month-old, and she had four medications. Good Lord. Well, yeah, well, and then that that uh, that two thousand five hundred kroners, which is uh, let's say it's roughly two hundred fifty dollars, not five hundred, mm-hmm. about two hundred fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, that copay, that yearly copay, that's for adults. So, hey, my American friends, medic, medic, med, uh, medical procedures, medicine, and whatnot, doctors' visits for kids is one hundred percent free. Yep. So I want to make sure they know that. I want to make sure they well, understand. Here, all the medical care is free. Yeah. Unless you go to a private hospital. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was in the hospital. I came back from Spain. I was in the hospital for a week with an infection. Not a bill. Um, I was my daughter. I She was born. I was in the hospital for four days. No bill. I um I have keratotonus in my eyes. So they check my eyes twice a year in the hospital to make sure it doesn't get worse. No bill. Um, I They paid for a big part of my glasses because I had this eye condition. I had I pay if I get over the cost what they sorry Gaia sorry Gaia Gaia down sorry dog um if I pay over that 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 amount of that like say it was three thousand kroner yeah in that case I'll pay but other than that well, I don't pay and, and it's, the, it's worth the, it for me and the bottom line is is it's worth it because we don't have that pr- I mean I I can't imagine living under that pressure. Of having to yeah. pay so much money just to stay alive and healthy, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I, we that's just not an I issue for us. I don't want to think about it. I mean, yeah. why? And even schools here, um, private schools are subsidized by the government, and they have this program here that, depending on the parents' income, is how much you pay. So even with private schools, they're available to everybody because. They want everybody yeah. to have access. They don't yeah. want your income, your parents' choices and incomes or whatever caused the lower income. They don't want that to affect the child's ability to succeed. Let me ask whether, you. What, yeah, so, oh, go ahead. Go sorry. ahead. Go ahead. So whether or not, you know, sociologically speaking, whether or not that always works. Yeah. We don't know. But at least in Denmark, they don't they can't say they didn't have the chance because right. you had the chance. Because you had the chance. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. You you speak very loudly, uh, very clear and 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 emphatically when people step out of line when it comes to racism. Have yes. you had any kind of a platform to be heard Outs- outside of outside of social media? Because you do have the social media group. What's it called? Um, learning to be anti um, racist. Learn to be anti racist. Yes. Beyond that, do you have a platform anywhere where you can be heard? I've been talking Denmark? to Brian. I've been talking to Brian about starting one. I had um, I was going to start that podcast, but with that and everything, that it's called Learn More, Grow More, and I'm actually starting my blog. I'm starting a blog again, beginning May, because I actually have been told by several people that this is something I need to do because it's something that I have a talent for. Yeah. And that because I know exactly what I think, I'm not afraid to speak out. 
and that people that people will listen to me because I'm not rude about it, but I'm very direct. Yes. So yeah. and I and I they say I use reasoning. And I think it's I, I think it's so effective. I think I mean you would uh, you would come across really really well on some sort of national level, you know, on, on the news, you know, being a, a regular uh, uh, panelist on the news or something. I would love that. Actually, I would love that. You know what? I, I, let me, let me suggest something to you that you, um, I don't know, maybe after you've written a few, uh, you know, well-written blogs or whatnot, that you then go to a news outlet there in, in, in Denmark and tell That's them who you and tell them who you are and tell them, you know, there are, there, I don't know about Denmark, but here in Norway, there, are, we have some people of color who are on the news, a couple of anchors, but they're, they're, they're women. And it's, there's a, there's a big hole. There's no black men. There's no black yeah, yeah. men on the national news level. Uh, so so you're I, that gap. well, as well as I can, and it's not often enough, is if you ask me. But when I do get on, I I feel incredibly blessed, incredibly privileged to be able to speak from a platform like that. But but um, there is an absence of of black men in the news picture um, here in Norway. So I'm I'm I don't know how things are in Denmark. I've never watched any Den uh, Danish news. Um, are there any There's black women, men, and women? Not speaking. regularly. Not regularly. I've seen a couple. Oh, wait, there is one. I can't remember his last name. But I do see one man. I don't see as many as I would like. So this is yeah. a really good idea because I have spoken to to Brian about this. Yeah. Um, they would I see had, the value. They would see the value of having someone like you regularly on their news programs. I know they would. Oh, you know what? This is um, the divine or whatever you want to call it speaking because I have been talking about this and waiting for ah, confirmation. Yes. So yes, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, let's call it uh, let's the, just... the higher, the higher power of God, whatever. <laughs> also, I, don't believe, I believe it's only one path. So no, I, um, I, I, I truly believe that, uh, that Denmark would be a little bit better off if they could hear from people like you. I, I think it's impressive right. that you're so direct. Uh, you don't pull any punches, but you're not being rude. You're not being an ass about it. You're, you're, I don't you're, try to be. No. I think it's important that you um you say what you have to say, but with. And that's why I always try to back it up with facts too, well, because yeah. otherwise you just seem emotional. Yeah. You have to know why it is. You had to know my. Again, this is my father. My father was very direct, but he also knew why he said what he said. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important to me. I want, and also I want my daughter to grow up hearing a strong voice that oh, stands that, up for that's, others. That's so important. I think about that all the time. I think about that all the time. What are my kids, you know, what, what impression are they getting when, when Papa says this, that, or the other? Mm -hmm. um, no, I, I just try to speak directly to the issue. I try to speak forcefully, but clearly. Uh, and I try to leave, I try to make it obvious that I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just speaking facts. If you feel touched by that, then okay. But I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm speaking no. straightforward to the facts. And I want, I crave dialogue. I crave dialogue. Exactly. It blew my mind. You know, uh, for, for those who are listening or, or watching, part of the reason uh, we were kind of delayed in getting started is because I got a phone call at the last second from some random Norwegian police officer yeah. who heard me talk, who heard me talking on the news this morning. I can't wait to call that guy. This, this has never happened. I mean, people have given me feedback, but I've never gotten feedback and I've spoken on policing quite often. And this is the first time that I've gotten direct feedback from a Norwegian police officer. I had to cut the poor guy off because we had to start this, this podcast yeah. episode, but that's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that level of dialogue. Well, that's what I would like too, because I honestly think this is where I am. America's important to me, but there's a dialogue here too. There's no reason yep. why we can't do both. There's no reason why we can't speak exactly. out on both sides. There's exactly. no reason why we can't. And I really do believe that as far as race is concerned in the Nordic countries, it needs to be spoken about. It is uncomfortable. It has gotten... it goes against a, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It is uncomfortable. The law of Yanta means it's going to be even more uncomfortable for this part of the world. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't look what the law of Yanta is, it's law of J-A-N-T-E. You need to look it up. <laughs> it's the easiest thing to do. It pretty much says, don't make anybody uncomfortable or think you're much better than anybody else. Short version. <laughs> 
it's pretty much says there's 10 there's 10 of them but i think that especially w- since people are becoming more aware it's good yeah they're aware like my um my- there's more there's more discussion there's a rumbling in the streets you know there's a whisper in the air so to speak and that's good i was actually really impressed that in spite of covid last year after this happened the world i this, i'd never seen this where the world came together and said enough is enough yeah and they start and it opened up conversations this man was murdered in front of the world his daughter said you're going to change the world daddy and she spoke life into that because around the world these conversations are happening where they would never have happened before i said I, i've spoken to that i've said uh, some similar things that uh, you know if you just watch tv and you see the makeup of the protests in the streets in america last summer it was not just black and brown faces no. there was a lot of vanilla in that ice cream too and yes they that, were and they were mad and that to me was a sign that things are going to change it may take a long time still. We may not see significant change, but I think it's What's going happening? to happen. There is a new awakening among white American, well, white people, period, on a world basis. There's a new awakening. There is a new focus on this. We're not alone anymore. We're getting more and allies. I, and that's good. And you know what? It's tragic. It is, I've, his last moments, Floyd's last moment with that murderer said, he called for his mother. And that's why I think did it. Yeah. Because, all of us, no matter who you are, you know that when you're hurting, you want your mom. And moms know that no matter, they want no, they want their child be there for their children. And I think when that happened, yeah, when that happened, it changed the conversation. Yeah. I will not, um, sorry, I will not um, say that things are immediately better. I, no. I think the um, conviction is a start, but I think we still start celebrating too soon. Yeah. We can get complacent. I want to allow myself to enjoy the outcome so far, but I say so far because we still have the Mm -hmm. sentencing. We still have, you know, even as the, the, the uh, conviction came down, a 16 year old black girl in Columbus, Ohio, my home state was killed. I don't know the details at the exact same time. To the second, and and I don't know the details, but uh, what I what I found out was that she called the police. Yes, she, she did. had a knife. Apparently, someone had been came come to her house to attack her, physically threatening her. So she had a knife for protection. How does a sixteen-year-old girl who calls the police for help and protection and, end oh, up shot? Dead. By the and police. she had a knife. I'm sorry. It wasn't like she had a gun. She had a knife. Well, a, a knife can be a, a, a threat. Yes, it can. A, a knife can be a threat. But but when you look at the totality of the circumstances, the fact that she called, the fact that she had a knife not to attack anyone, but to protect herself. How did she end up being and, shot? This is going to be an interesting development. I'm following this. I'm watching this and I'm going to speak on it. I am. I'm actually following that, too, because the, it's for me the. um the irony that this happened at the same time a policeman was well, it says something. Was, was convicted. Well, it says something about the times in which we live. It says it that, yes, this was a good thing that this man was convicted. That's a great thing. But there's still a lot, of work to do. a lot of work to do. The issue is not resolved. That case is somewhat resolved. We still have sentencing. And who knows, he'll probably appeal. So we have all that. So that, but but it's been somewhat resolved. But it's been, (laughs) you know, but it's been somewhat resolved. But the issue, the the, the greater issue is far from being resolved. Obviously, we still have a problem. Obviously. I really believe that until there's less pearl clutching by those of who are. (laughs) Those who aren't white, oh, this is terrible. Oh, this is terrible. You've been saying you had over four hundred years to figure out this was terrible. I'm, I'm, th- yeah. I'm sorry. They, they've had four hundred years to figure out this is over, to figure out this was terrible. At what point do you stop saying it's terrible? And I'm, as you're saying, the awakening's happening. It is happening. But a lot of people are still saying it's just terrible. Oh my, it's so terrible. Yeah. Then do something. Exactly. Speak out. Yes. Right. And go to your police. Are you? 
have power that the white people have power that we don't. Oh. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that in a in a oh they're better than us. I'm saying the systems uh, in place. Let's just say it like it is. There will be no meaningful and lasting change on these issues until the majority of white people in power decide that that's what's going to happen. Exactly. And again, that My, goes back to why I'm looking for allies. We need them because yeah. without them, we don't have the same voice, right. especially in situations like Norway and Denmark, where there is this history of not having immigrants here. But even though they were a part of the slave trade, so that is part of it. But because that representation is here, we don't they don't they don't see us as anomalies. Right. Right. So once the the Nordic people start speaking out and saying things and facing this history and that is when we're going to see more of change in the movement. We could be the catalyst. And to be honest, I don't want to see people that are non-melanated to come and take over. They right. don't need to take no. over. We don't need their saving us. No, they need to continue need- to listen. They need to continue yeah. to listen and lend their voice where it is proper to do so without, exactly. o- without overshadowing we, the, 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 the melanated people who, who actually need the help. Exactly. Uh, because uh, we don't need saviors. We need people to walk beside us. We need allies. And I think that's yeah. very important. Yeah. We need people to walk beside us. The white voices should never overpower those that are experiencing the issues. Yeah. Well, they should be there to support. I think what Denmark needs is to hear your voice amplified on a national stage, a national format, a national platform. You speak to this issue in a way that's quite refreshing. Um, thank you. Yeah, Actually, yeah, thank yeah. You. Made my day. No, no, I, I, in all seriousness, I, I mean that. You, you speak with such clarity and such force, forcefulness without being... Um, uh, exclusionary. I mean, you, 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 you stimulate the discussion with what you say. And, Thank you. Uh, I, I'm, and, I'm really grateful that that's what happens because yeah. it's important for me. Yeah. yeah. So well, what actually, are, actually made my day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, listen, I, uh, I've really enjoyed having you on. Uh, we are two kindred spirits, two uh, melanated Americans uh, <laughs> living in our respective uh, Scandinavian host countries. But, uh, you know, so I look at you with uh, with uh, almost a family type of... I mean, and it's so nice to talk to you. Like I said, I've been watching you. We've, we've been, we've been uh, in, in some form of contact on social media and stuff, but it's good to... <laughs> It's good to talk to you. It's good to hear it's your. It's good to talk to you too. This is great. Yeah. I, we should do this more often. This is yeah, actually really. You need to get stimulating that, for me. Well, you need to get that podcast up and going. I'm telling you, want to talk about being stimulated? This do, doing this. This is what this will be. Episode number one hundred and nineteen or one hundred and twenty for me in the last year. So that's a lot of conversations oh, yeah. with a lot of people, and I have learned so much. You know, so you're doing two to three a week about. That's the, that's the average. It's been a little bit less yeah. than that. I've went through a shoulder surgery. You see me that's trying. Right. You see me trying to drink, and it's all I'm all fumbling with it because my shoulder doesn't work right. Uh, so I've been kind of messed up from that. So I've kind of taken it down a little bit to one, maybe two a week. But um, what I'm what I'm getting at is that that's a lot of conversations with a lot of different people who have a lot of different opinions, and it is the excellent opportunity to learn uh, i love learning you will you will you will really really enjoy it once you start your podcast uh, well i've been talking about um i was talking to brian about that i was waiting for confirmation i got it time to go there you go i was a little insecure i was i know i talked about it last year but with that and everything else it was just yeah but then yeah. i was like well, should i really do it should i but now yeah no you should you should do it jump into it don't don't overthink it a lot of new podcasters do that oh well it has to be perfect and i have to have this and don't don't think about all those things just jump in and let people start to hear you and then i'm learning to let go of perfection yeah yeah how but but having said that once you start i mean i've come a long way with the technical side you know now i'm doing video Mm -hmm. podcasts i never used to do that before um so as you go you'll start seeing certain things you can do on the technical side, but also on the content side to make things better. And you're just going to start enjoying it more and more. I, I, I look forward to hearing it. 
I look forward to hearing. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you. I want to actually sit down and write the, the things. And um, I, this week, my next week, my website actually comes out, my new website. So after that's done, I'll. That's my next big project. Awesome. My cad, my web designer is doing my academy site and my um, my business site. So both of them are launched next week. Awesome. So that's taking up a lot of time. How but how can how can people find your website? What will it be called? Um, it's www.trmenglish.com. Great. And the academy is www.trmenglishacademy.com. I'm, I'm writing that down so I can reference it when I post this episode. I'm going to help you out, throw some people your way and see what happens. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I work in the universities. I come to the universities or we can do it online or hybrid. I also do the academic editing. Okay. Yeah. And coaching. So. Well, it'd be so cool to see you here in Norway. Oh, I want to come. I've been trying to get to Norway for years. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've never been in Denmark. A lot of people from Norway, they do their summer vacation, at least part of yeah, it, in, in Denmark. I've never been there. If you come, you should go to Lacey. It's where my mother-in-law is from. Yeah? I, we love that island. It's a check it beautiful out. little island. Okay. I think they have a lot of Norwegians that come there, actually. Oh, they have a lot of Norwegians that come to Cebu, where my brand's from. Okay. There are a lot of Norwegians yeah. up there. So... Well, I want to go where the Norwegians aren't. I get enough of the Norwegians <laughs> all year round. But I, if I leave Norway, I'm going to go somewhere where they're, they're not to be found. Uh, no offense. You know, we were in no Vegas. <laughs> we were in Vegas um, two summer, two or three summers ago, and I heard Danes in in um. We were in Circus Circus <laughs> because of the kids, and I heard Danes. Yeah. We, we, then we started talking. <laughs> like, about that? I didn't expect to see a Dane here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, again. Uh, thank the you best, for today. This the best, is great. Well, well, thank you for coming on. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for some time, and I hope you come back. I definitely want to have you. Have oh, you well, back. this is fun. I have to check in with you and see how things are going. Yes, this is fun. I would love to come back. I would love. Uh, this is um, actually. I actually. I have so much to think about now. Yeah. I. This is great. It stimulates. It stimulates to growth. It really does having these it kind does. of conversations. Well, listen. Stick and around. Got, sip, sorry? I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, I'm saying I just really, really want to emphasize the point that this is just the beginning with this verdict. Yeah, it's the beginning. We still have and to have the sentencing. Can, exactly. We still have and to. We had a, yeah, go ahead. And we cannot become complacent because exactly. he got convicted. Exactly. A lot of people are going to get become. We cannot do that because that means things will go right back. It's okay to breathe out. It's okay to to to, to to yeah gather yourself, but we still have the sentencing. We still have other cases going on. We still have that inner police culture that has to be worked on. So there's a, there's a lot of things to do. A lot of but things. But we can do it. We're working we together. We can do it. We will do, we it. do it. it. It'll take time, but we're going to do it. Listen, stick yeah. around uh, for a couple of seconds. Don't hang up yet. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. To all of you who have been listening, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You, got, you can find this episode on my YouTube channel. Just search the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Search me up. I am there. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You can also find me at my website, johnallenpod.com. That's J-O-H-N-A-L-A-N-P-O-D.com. Bye, everybody.